0: This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. Let's just take a moment. I'm going to pray, and uh, then we're going to get into our message today. Father, I just thank you so much for the power and the presence of your holy spirit that has already been with us this morning father we just want to give you all of our praise and all of our glory and all of your glory and god we just pour out our hearts to you with with such love and such adoration god i just pray that this morning as we hear your word father that our hearts and our spirits would just be in submission and surrender to you oh god father i pray that we would be such a teachable people this morning that your um, um, your presence would just flow into our hearts, that you would change, that you would transform, that you would awaken and bring life to our spirits in a way that we couldn't possibly imagine in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So are you guys ready for this morning? Yeah. Awesome, Awesome. Well this morning I'm going to be talking about something'm going to, what I've called is Mind the Gap. And just to give a bit of an explanation of that, for those who have maybe toured in Europe, um, particularly in London, um, when you're in the subways or the trains, things like that, um, what they have is between the, the platform and the train, there's a separation, and they call that the gap. And um, at the, at, so at those subway stops, when the train comes in and stops, what you'll often hear is a phrase that, that is like this. Mind the gap, please. Mind the gap. <laughs> well done, Alan. <laughs> I absolutely had to have our British couple say that because nobody else could do mind the gap, please, justice. So... Um, out of out of that, um, actually, this series—not series, uh, series sorry—this sermon came about. Um, so I'm calling it "Mind the Gap." And this morning, I want to speak about um, another kind of gap, and that gap is the day between Crucifixion Friday and Resurrection Restoration Sunday. And often, in the middle, if you if you were to think about it, there would be a time of Separation Saturday. So when the disciples were in that process of they were following Jesus, they loved Jesus, they listened to his teachings, he had warned them beforehand that he was going to have to die, but they didn't quite understand, then he did die. And before um, the promise of his resurrection came about, there was just a separation Saturday. And often we too experience that place of separation gap. And sometimes we can get lost in those gaps. So this morning, what I want to talk about is um, I want us to recognize some gaps that we can get lost in and then I want to talk about a gap that restores the separation so that we have a bridge so that we don't have to fall into those gaps anymore. We have somebody that is bridging that gap for us and we can stay safe and secure. And it's amazing to me what God will restore in our lives if we don't get lost in the gap between where we are and where we are meant to go, or what we are meant to be. If we don't get lost between the platform and boarding God's train, sometimes in life we get lost in the gap between the promises of God and the fulfillment of those promises. How many here would say amen to that? I might be in separation Saturday. Um, God this morning wants you to know that He recognizes that you 're in that separation Saturday, and He wants to to come and to reassure you that He is bridging that separation gap from the time of His promises to the to the fulfillment of those promises. Um, so we can probably, most of us, relate to, to that concept. And um, I was speaking with a lady earlier uh, this week, and she has given me permission to to just briefly share what we were talking about on the phone. But when I was talking with her, at one point, I just kind of interrupted her and said, oh my goodness, you have no idea how much what you're saying to me is speaking to the message that I'm going to be giving on Sunday. And, um, so I was speaking with Constance, and, um, I'm going to say her name because as soon as I share her story, everybody's going to know who it is anyway, Constance. So, um, so Constance is married. And um, with an, a bit of an unusual twist to that. Um, so her husband actually is living in another province, so he lives out west, and Constance is here, and Constance has children, and her husband uh, has children, and neither one of them can leave their provinces because of the ex-spouses. So um, when they first got married, this was something that seemed, oh well, okay, we can handle this, um, We'll just work it out. Um, but since then, both of them have come to Christ, and they are on a whole new season and a whole new journey. And um, in this season, having come to Christ, Constance is starting to hear the voice of God, and she's starting to hear the promises of God in her heart and in her mind. And she, he's, he's actually been giving her pictures of, of what her family will look like, that her family will be together, that her family will be in one city, that they will always serving the Lord. And, and in this time, some of her children are not serving the Lord, but God is giving her a vision of them being together as one unit whole. But who here knows that if you have two families in two different provinces with children who have ex-spouses, it's going to have to take a supernatural miracle to make that happen. So Constance is living between the platform and the train. She's living between the promises that God has given her and the fulfillment of those promises. She's in separation Saturday. And if she's not careful then that separation Saturday can cause a lot of things like doubt and fear and anxiety and an un- unknowing. And, but God wants to come for people that are like Constance, what she's dealing with. He wants to come and he wants to reassure. And I, what I heard him to say this morning is, I've got this. Don't worry about it. I've got this. And I think if Jesus were to have said to the disciples up on the cross, he could have said to them, don't worry about it. I've got this. Just wait and you'll see the resurrection and the restoration. So today we are going to highlight some gaps that God is restoring during Separation Saturday. He's restoring promises, and he's bringing a full restoration of God. So some of these gaps we're going to highlight as we go through a particular passage. And that particular passage is John 11:1 to 44. And don't get scared, because I took out some of those scriptures. <laughs> so we're not going to read all 1 to 44 scriptures, but they, um, it's that whole story. Um, so a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in the town of Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. The sisters sent word to Jesus, saying, Lord, your friend is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, this sickness will not end in death. It has happened, so that it will bring honor to God. And the Son of God will will be honored by it also. And, you know, in this particular passage, you know, when I was reading that over, I was like, God, what exactly is it that you want to pull out of that? Um, How do I... am I to understand that particular portion of the passage? And basically what Jesus in this passage is saying, he's saying, Lazarus is sick. He's actually not going to die. And what he's saying is that it's, it, it, is, it isn't that he wasn't physically going to die, but what Jesus was saying is that that's not the end of the matter. So wherever you are in your circumstances, wherever you are in your separation Saturday, Jesus would be coming to you and saying, if you think something is sick and dying, it may very well die, and it's going to look like it's gone forever, but that's not the end of the matter. Oh, I feel that this morning. Wow. Somebody here, I think multiple people here this morning need to hear the voice of Jesus arising over the voice of the enemy. And he's saying, it's not the end of the matter. Everything looks lost and dying, and maybe you're confused, and maybe you don't understand, but I hear the voice of Christ coming to you and saying, it's not the end of the matter. Trust in me. The first gap We want to be aware of, we want to mind the need gap. The need gap causes us to be lost, separated from life, and the need gap causes us to be condemned. For many of us here, I don't know if you've ever thought the question, had the question, have the question, or have tried to answer the question of what do I really need to be saved from? You know, sometimes when we are trying to share the gospel, or spread the gospel, or somebody is listening to the gospel, that question comes up of, what do I really need to be saved from? When we're living in a society that we're not persecuted, we're, we're not a poor country, we live, we're a first world country, we have lots of prosperity, we've got lots of activities going on, we've got jobs, we have families, we've got uh, so many benefits here in Canada that we feel very secure and stable in many things. And uh, to come to somebody that's like that with the gospel and say, You need to be saved, they're like, From what? From what? Um, you know, and they say things like, You know, I'm a good person. I don't cheat. I don't lie. I don't drink myself into oblivion or do drugs. I give to charities. I help out my family. I good to, good to do good to those that are around me. I help out my neighbors. I'm an overall good person. What in the world do I need to be saved from? And the answer to that is that we are spiritually dead and we are condemned. And that is the need gap. We are spiritually dead. Let me give you an example. So when I was growing up, We had our our homestead, so the home that my family grew up in. But then we also had um, another land and another property that was across the road. And um, it was the house that my father had grown up in when he was a child. And um, during the time that I was growing up, that that house was rented out. So we rented it out to um, another couple, and they lived there for the the whole time that I was living at home. And um, during that whole time, so from the time that my father lived in that home to the time that the, this couple lived in that home, and then even years beyond, um, the house never had any maintenance done on it, really. So over, over the years, it just kind of slowly declined and slowly whittled away until um, after the couple had left, or years later, eventually the township came, and it put a sign on the door and said, this house is condemned. It's not, um, it's uninhabitable, it's unusable, and it's unchangeable. This house is condemned, it needs to be torn down. And um, so condemnation, when we think about that word, when we think about our spiritual death, And it says in the Bible that that God had to condemn us. That when Adam and Eve fell in their sin and God had to kick them out of the garden, God had to condemn humanity. And basically what he was saying is that humanity now is spiritually dead. It's uninhabitable. It's unusable. And it's unchangeable. It's spiritually dead. It's condemned. Okay? So that is the need gap. So our need is that we are spiritually dead, and we need something to bring us to life. And hold on to that. I know that sounds really heavy, and that's okay. There's going to be a little bit of heaviness, and then we're going to get to the bridge, okay? Um, So the second thing we need to mind is the sin gap. So in John 11, verse 5, we pick up the story where it says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. But when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Jesus spoke again and said, Our friend Lazarus is sleeping. I will go and wake him up. The followers said to him, If he is sleeping, he will get well. But Jesus meant Lazarus was dead. They thought he meant Lazarus was sleeping, resting in sleep. Then Jesus said to them again, Lazarus is dead. So the sin gap brings spiritual death, not just sickness. We're not just a sick humanity. We are spiritually dead. We are beyond help, and we are beyond hope. We are unable to save ourselves. So as I was speaking earlier about Adam and Eve being condemned and they were being sent out of the garden, they were spiritually dead and, and they were uninhabitable, unusable, and unchangeable. Basically what God was saying is you cannot bring yourself back to life. You need something outside of yourself to bring you back to life. So when, we, when we're speaking from this, this text of Lazarus, you know, Lazarus' death represents our inability to save ourselves and to bring ourselves back to spiritual life. The physically dead Lazarus could do nothing for himself. If you're dead, who here knows? You're not, hey, somebody else is putting the makeup on you. (laughs) Somebody else is putting the clothes on you. Somebody else, like there's nothing you can do. You're dead. You can't hear, you can't breathe, you can't see. Uh, There's nothing. Um, You would need something else outside of yourself to bring you to life you are beyond all help and all hope. So just as Lazarus did, again, we need someone outside of our spiritual death to bring us back to life. And um, if you were to take the example of if you have some miners and they go in to do some mining somewhere and that mine collapses, who here knows that if you're down in that mine, you really have no ability to save yourself. You actually need somebody from above to come in and intricately and delicately remove all of the dirt, remove the debris, remove the rocks, remove all the things that have collapsed so that they can come in and save you from outside of... The mind. So that's the same same uh, state that humanity is in when we have the need gap and we have the sin gap. We're in this this place where we are we're spiritually dead and we need somebody else outside of ourselves, somebody who's above ourselves, to come and awaken and bring life to us. That is the sin gap. Um, number three, the third. Gap we want to be mindful of is the separation gap. Now, this is a little bit different than what I'm speaking about the separation Saturday, and I'll explain it. But so the separation gap brings doubt and it can bring prayerlessness. So John 11, 17 to 27 says this. When Jesus got there, he heard that Lazarus had been in the grave four days. Bethany was about one and a half hour walk from Jerusalem. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to give words of comfort about their, about their brother. Martha heard that Jesus was coming and went to meet him, and Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I know even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again when the dead are raised from the grave on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the one who raises the dead and gives them life. Anyone who puts his trust in me will live again even if he dies. Anyone who lives and has put his trust in me will never die. Do you believe this? She answered, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God. You are the one who has come into the world. And can I just mention right there that basically what she's acknowledging is we are a lost people, that we are people that have been collapsed in a a mind, and you are coming from above. You've been sent from above to come to earth that you would save us, that you would resurrect us. And so despite Lazarus' death, Martha knew who Jesus was. She knew that he was the son of God. She believed that he had a plan. She didn't let circumstances interrupt her faith in Jesus, and she sought the source to gain perspective and understanding. However, Mary stayed in the house. Mary, who loved Jesus, doubted what Jesus had previously said. Martha didn't. Martha still had faith, and she still walked in that place of faith, and what that place of faith does is it causes you to seek out the source and to say, I don't understand. Give me a new perspective. Help me to understand. But Mary, who was in a place of doubt, stayed in the house. She did not go and seek out the source because she was just in that place of prayerlessness and doubt and just... didn't understand, didn't know that she should go and seek Jesus. And sometimes when we're in that separation gap, sometimes instead of going to the source and seeking for a new understanding, we choose to sit in doubt, and we choose to sit in prayerlessness instead. But in order for us to mind the gap, God says, if you are in that place, get up, get up out of the house, seek me, search for me, come to the source, and I will help you to understand, and I'll give you... Perspective. Even if that separation can't change for a little bit, know that you can come to me, know that you can seek me, know that you can come to the source, and I will give you a different perspective. And that leads us to the fourth thing that we want to mind we want to mind the sight gap. So when we are in the sight gap, we forget God's promises and we lose sight of the future. So Mary went to the source. And she gained sight. Uh, Martha did, sorry. And Mary stayed in the house, and she lost the vision of the future. She lost the fact that Jesus could and would resurrect her brother. Looking at um, verse 28 in John 11, it says, After Martha said this, she went and called her sister Mary. When Mary heard this, she got up and went to him. Jesus had not yet come into their town, and he was still where Mary had, Martha had met him. Mary went to the place where Jesus was, and I just want to stop there, that finally, Mary is getting the picture. She's saying, I've been sitting in the house, I've been... Sitting in my own little self-pity party because Jesus didn't come and heal my brother. And I'm not going to go to the source. I'm just going to sit here in my doubt and in my prayerlessness. But finally she gets it and she gets up and she goes to where Jesus is. So she's starting to go and look at, find the source so that she can gain her sight. And when she saw him, she got down at his feet. And isn't that the way with us that sometimes when we're in that that need gap, that sin gap, that separation gap, and that sight gap, that we, it's when we finally realize the one that we need to go to, that we get to him, and when we get to him in that place of prayer, when we get to him in that place where we just surrender our heart, we surrender our very tender places, and we just fall at the feet of Jesus, and we seek him to help us to gain our sight back, to gain perspective, to understand that finally when we get before him and we stand in awe of him, it's when we surrender our hearts and we say, Jesus, there is nowhere else I can go. There is nowhere else I can get understanding. Nobody else can change my perspective. I need you to restore my sight. And she she got down at his feet and she said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So she's finally speaking out her vulnerable place. She's saying, Jesus, I'm so frustrated that you weren't here. If you had been here, is that not the same in our separation gap moments where we're saying, Jesus, if you really are who you say you are, come down from the cross and and do something in this situation. Jesus, if you, if you are who you say you are in my life, if you, if you love me, Jesus, if you were just here, this thing wouldn't have died or this circumstance would be changing. Jesus, where are you? And Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who came with her were crying also. And his heart was very sad and he was troubled. And he said, where did you lay Lazarus? And they said, Lord, come and see. Then Jesus cried. Now the grave was a hole in the side of a hill. A stone covered the door. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha said to him, Lord, by now his body has a bad smell. He has been dead for four days. And four means completion. So, he, you, know, you know, there's no resuscitation happening. <laughs> dead is dead. It's been four days. It's complete. Like it, things are rotting. You're not going to be able to bring him... Um, alive. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say that if you would believe, you would see the shining greatness of God? And other translations say, The glory of God. So when we are separated from our source, we often lose our sight, and it causes us to forget what God has previously said, and it causes us to question what we might have already heard. Um, an example of that, again, as we, you know, when we talked about the disciples earlier, that when Jesus died, Jesus had already told them multiple times, I'm going to have to die, but I will be raised again. And I'm going to send you another comforter to be with you. But the disciples had a hard time understanding that. How can you understand resurrection life if you really don't know what exactly the plan of God is? They had glimpses of the plan of God. They had glimpses of God's salvation. They had glimpses of it. They had promises of it, but they really couldn't understand it because they had never really walked in it. Although the description or them walking through the, the resurrection of Lazarus was a precursor and a prophetic representation of what Jesus was going to do for himself and then for all mankind. And what we want to turn to right now, then, is we've, we've taken in the, the need gap, the sin gap, the separation gap, and the sight gap. And what we want to do now is we want to talk about the bridge, but I also call it a gap. We need to mind the full restoration gap. And I'm going to make a play on words there. We don't need just to mind it, be aware of it, but we want to mine it, M-I-N-E. We want to dig into the treasure of the restoration gap during separation Saturday And John 11, verse 41 says, They took the stone away, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me. But I have said this for the people standing here, so they may believe that you have sent me. When he had said this, he called with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who'd been dead came out. His hands and feet were tied in grave clothes. A white cloth was tied around his face. And Jesus said to the people, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. Here we see that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. He is the one that has come from above, that he has entered into humanity. He has come into the very depths and pit of humanity. He's come into the sin gap, or the need gap, the sin gap, the separation gap, and the sight gap. He has come as resurrection and life, and it is by his voice we come to life. It is by the voice of Jesus Christ that he says to your circumstance, he names your circumstance, and he says, Come out, awake, come to life, come back from the dead it's it's sometimes things have to die in order for it to come to life and there are circumstances and there are things in our lives that God will allow to die because you need to know that it is not of your own ability you need to know that it's not of that situation or that person's ability you need to know that it's the King of Kings the Lord of Lords you need to know that it's the voice of Jesus Christ and the life of Jesus Christ that is causing that thing to to come alive, especially when it's the promises of God, because the promises of God are birthed by God, and the promises of God must be carried by God. So you have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's God that has brought that promise to life. Amen? Amen. Um, So a question that we want to ask is, what do I mean exactly by full restoration gap? And I would like to suggest now that we're going to turn, we're not going to use the word gap anymore as separation or a disconnect, but in an acronym that reads this, God answers promises. Isn't that amazing? That God can take our need gap, our sin gap, our separation gap, our sight gap, and he begins to promise us that that he's going to connect that gap And he's going to answer those promises. And what the enemy meant and what the enemy means for death and separation and blindness and destruction and defeat has been and is being fully restored. Jesus bridged the need gap, the sin gap, the separation gap, the sight gap. He bridged it, one, by bringing us back into right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 from the NLT version says this, For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be an offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Number two, he bridged the gap by adopting us as sons and daughters, that we would no longer be separated from the presence of God, but we would be included, connected, and accepted in the family of God. Ephesians 1 and 5 says this, God decided in advance, this is the promise, this is in advance, before we fell, before we went into the separation gap, before humanity went and was separated from God, in advance, God decided to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ, who here knows from the time that Adam and Eve fell that there was a separation Saturday until Jesus Christ rose again and we were set free from our spiritual death and we were adopted back in to the family of God in advance God set aside Jesus as our mediator that we would become sons and daughters of, of God. That's absolutely amazing. And when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he paid the price for us, and he died on our behalf. Even though he was God, he still suffered the agony of a temporary separation from the Father due to the sin of the world that he was carrying. After three hours of supernatural darkness, he cried in Mark fifteen thirty three to 34, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I wasn't going to say this in Hebrew, but I feel like I'm going to this morning. I feel like there are people here this morning who you're in that separation where you actually feel like God has forsaken you. And Jesus when he was on that cross he said "Eli, Ali lama sabachthani." My God. My God. Why have you forsaken me? Jesus was the promise. Jesus was the promise. But he had to die so that we could come to life. Isn't that amazing that even in that representation he says, your promise may have to die, but that's not the end of the matter. I'm going to bring it back to life. I'm going to bring it back to life. And the spiritual separation from the Father was the result of the Son taking our sins upon him so that we might be restored and connected. Number three, he bridged the gap by restoring our spiritual life that we might have spiritual sight to see beyond what is in the here and the now. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says this, then God marked you by giving you his Holy Spirit as a promise. And can I say, I want you to to hear that for yourself. It's not for somebody else. He says that God marked you You have the seal of the Holy Spirit. If you are saved, God marked you by giving you his Holy Spirit as a promise. The Holy Spirit was given to us as a promise that we will receive everything God has for us. God's Spirit will be with us until God finishes his work of making us complete. God does this to show his shining greatness. Did I not say, if you believe? God is speaking to someone today to mind the gap. And I'm going to ask Carling if you come. He wants you to recognize that you are separated from the source that you are separated from God. Separated from the one that can restore you and bring you salvation and right standing before God. You are separated from the one that can bring you security, acceptance, connection, and adoption. He's saying this morning, mind the gap. God has provided Jesus as a bridge that you might not fall into the gap. That you might not fall into the need gap, the sin gap, the separation gap, and the sight gap. He wants you to receive restoration and no longer be separated, but connected. And the interesting thing there between the word separated and connected Separated means gap, but the opposite of gap is connected. And Christ is in separation Saturday, completely and fully restored humankind, that we would no longer have to be separated, but connected. We no longer have to live in a separation Saturday. We live in a resurrected, restoration Sunday. We don't have to be in a place of death, but of life. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And I'm just going to share one more thing, and then I'm going to pray. And the worship team is going to sing. Um, But the word, you know, we often think of restoration, and restoration means to bring back to its original state. But full restoration means to be not only in the original state, but above and beyond, above and beyond, so full restoration, you know, and we, we, we don't really understand that, we don't get that, and um, one of the things, when I was, um, I was driving on Saturday and I was praying for everyone today, and I was just asking God, I said, God, I know there are going to be so many questions in people's hearts and minds that maybe they don't even know that they're questioning and they need an answer for this thing, or uh, maybe they do, maybe they know specifically the questions that they have for you that, that really needs an answer, and I say, God, would you, would you today provide those answers for somebody? That question that has been resounding in their heart and in their life for, for maybe decades, would you answer that question for them today? and um, here knows that God is a relationship God and he loves to surprise us and in that moment he surprised myself <laughs> that I had a question that I'd had a question that I've been asking since I c- came to salvation and um, I just wanted to share it with you because I thought it really re- exemplified what full restoration is and, um, when, Adam and when, when Lucifer fell Here Lucifer is Satan, and he was an angel in heaven, and he worshipped before God night and day. He was the lead worshiper. But he sinned because of pride, and he fell. And when he fell, he took a third of the angels with him. So in that moment, in that time span, angels were able to sin. And Lucifer sinned, and he fell, and he took that third, the third of the angels. But the other angels who did not fall in that time, there was a mark and a seal that went on them and they could no longer sin. They could not fall. Humanity, because of Adam and Eve's sin, humanity has sinned, and we fell. And my question for God has often been, God, why do we have to go through this? Why couldn't why couldn't you? Why couldn't you have just saved us from not having to walk through a very painful journey at times and I think my question has often been God why even though I love God there's just been this God why and what I felt like God was saying when Adam and Eve fell and they became spiritually dead if they had eaten from the tree of life at that moment they would have been spiritually dead for all of eternity so he had to send them out of the garden And be condemned so that he could bring them back into spiritual life so that they would then be spiritually alive for all eternity but what I felt him saying too is that that is a restoration but the full restoration is this that when we are finally resurrected on that last day when we are before the face of God that when we are living in eternity spiritually alive we will never be able to die again will never be able to sin again so the full restoration is not that we are restored to the state of Adam and Eve who could sin but that we are fully restored to a place where we can never sin again because we've already made our choice to follow Jesus Christ isn't that amazing full restoration God never leaves us alone and he promises before the beginning of time that he's going to complete his promises in us. We'll be fully resurrected and living in all of eternity with God without any ability to sin because we've made our choice here and now. So if you are here this morning and you have not made that choice to follow Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you this morning that as the worship team plays, feel free to come, and I want to pray with you. I want to help you to accept Jesus into your life so that you can have resurrection life and live for all of eternity. And um, another another request I just want to put out there, that if you, want, if you have a promise that you feel that has died, and you have been in a place of doubt and insecurity and prayerlessness, but this morning you want to come to the source to get your sight back, I want you to come as well. I want to pray with you this morning. I'm just going to pray and then I'll give it to the worship team. Father, I just thank you that your presence has been here this morning, that you've just been speaking to people's hearts and lives, that you've been awakening them to the recognition that you've got this. That it's not the end of the matter. That things are going to come to life. Things that were seemingly dead are going to come to life by the voice of Jesus Christ saying, Come out. Come alive. In Jesus' name. Amen.